Okay, well, I don't know too much about you because this is such short notice. And again, thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. Uh, John Owen. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, you could tell me a bit about uh, who you are. So, yeah, I'm John Owen. I work here in the English bookshop in, in, in Dusmanes Kulturkaufhaus in, in Berlin. Um, I've worked as a bookseller almost since I finished university. I've, I've started off working in a shop in London called John Sando Books, which is in Chelsea in London. Um, independent bookstore? Independent bookstore. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then moved over here and got a job here, and I've worked here now for three and a half years. And I run our events here in the English bookshop, and apart from that, help look after the shop, <laughs> do all the normal jobs of bookselling. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Bibliopark. Thank you very much. So I first encountered the store about eight months ago, and I was blown away by it. So yeah, so uh, Dustman is, is a large company um, which has which does many different things, um, and one arm of, of the company is this sh- uh, shop we find ourselves in now, and it's called Das Kulturkaufhaus, which loosely translated means the culture department store and it's uh, a shop which is spread over four floors and we have everything from cds and vinyls from all genres you can possibly imagine i think we're one of the very last shops left in berlin that still sells cds um music cds i mean and then obviously an enormous amount of the shop the vast majority of the shop is a bookshop most of the space is the German, is the German side of things. Um, that's spread over three floors with um, big sections of, from everything from kind of modern fiction things right up to very technical um, non-fiction things. The English section is smaller. We, we have two floors and over our two floors we tend to be more... Uh, we have less of the technical stuff. We are more focused on, um, on interesting fiction and non-fiction and trying to be as well spread across different genres as possible, but um, with a big focus on modern fiction and, uh, yeah, sort of creative non-fiction. And Dussman, what what, uh, what else are they involved with? It's a fairly big business, One of the, and it's initially a, it's, it's a family business, really. Um, it's one of these sort of German uh, family businesses, which uh, successful family businesses, that they do things that range from kind of cleaning services to, um, to catering services, um, they're kind of based in the sort of into the service area generally. Okay, and why are they into the the books then? Well, as far as I understand it, <laughs> um, in fact, I know this. Um, the the founder of the company Dussman uh, was called Peter or Peter Dussman. His parents were booksellers, um, so he he and he did his first apprenticeship as a young man as a bookseller, and that's how he got into business basically. Um, and then um, when the wall came down, they wanted an, a Berlin headquarters and, and they chose this site and then he decided he wanted to have a bookshop as it's one, as one of the kind of public facing bits of the business. Very good. So he, he comes by it honestly then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so getting back to being blown away, when I went into the store the first time, I couldn't get over how beautifully lit it was. Now, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so um, when they set up the English bookshop, uh, or gave the English bookshop a special corner of, 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 of the whole whole store, they decided to try and give it 
the vibes of an independent, a small independent shop um, and to do the lighting and the design so it felt like it was a totally distinct space and more lit like the shop I used to work at in London than maybe your traditional large bookshop. Well, there's a couple of big windows that let natural light in. Yeah, and that makes a huge difference too. Having, having especially the upstairs, that upstairs section yeah. Yeah. has a lot of natural light coming in from, from the whole one at one wall. It's just, it's just very large windows. And that kind of, you know, it creates a nice connection to, to the outside world within, within the space too. Yes, and there's some lovely seating right in the windows. I, I love that too. Yeah, and it's lovely now because um, during the pandemic, we haven't been allowed to have people sitting yeah. because Berlin decided, um, the Berlin government decided that bookshops were so-called cultural uh, petrol stations or gas stations okay. um, and were allowed to be kept open as gas stations were. We weren't allowed to have people spending a long time in here. So we had to stop people sitting down, which was very sad. Really. It's nice to have people back in and enjoying the space in other ways and sitting and reading as well as, as well as browsing the shelves. Right. Okay, but I want to drill down on the, on the lighting because you've got like a ton of these little spotlights mm -hmm. and they're obviously directed right on the, on the books. Uh, but, and the books are everywhere. They're like right along the edges of, because there's a sort of a, what do you call it, atrium or a, mm. kind of a hole yeah. between the top and you can see down to the bottom floor the second bottom floor, uh, and are surrounding that. They're all on the ledges. Do you have anything more to say about, like, your thinking behind the way you've lit the place? It comes down to putting books and how you lay out and set up books front and centre and making sure that they are given prominence and um, that you can give as many titles as possible some kind of sense of being... In, for one for better word in, in the spotlight um, right right um, so they're yeah they're outward facing outward as facing, opposed to spines yeah some are spines only but yes. a lot of outward facing and then we, as you say we have a lot of different areas where we can lay things out and get them on kind of proper display and it's one of the nice things about the combination of being a bigger shop but a but a section that uh, sees itself as more of a distinct smaller bookshop uh -huh. is that we have plenty of space, but we can also fill that space. And, and we definitely don't go for the mode that some shops go for now. And some shops do it brilliantly. Foils in London does this brilliantly. It's kind of minimalist setting nowadays. And people seem to like that. They like having fewer places where they put books out and doing them more prominently. But I've always been more of a fan of the more old-fashioned way of just letting customers come in, find whatever books they want to find, and allowing them to explore and and, um, and 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 see as many different titles as possible. Right. So basically, any flat space, uh, shelving, or anything that you've got, you're putting a book on it. So yeah. it's that's the way it yeah. seems. Yeah. But there's there's just there's more to it than that. Like you come into the store and it's like in a just a sort of a blast of color. Mm and beautifully displayed color. It's artistic. Mm. It, can you talk about how you do that? Well, I think we're, we're conscious of cover design. We're conscious of, we think quite hard about what books we present and how we present them. 
And I think also... What does that mean, though? Tell me what that <laughs> is. What that means is... Um, the com- I mean, it's really important that when one's displaying things and giving things very prominent positions, they're also things we think are good. Um, but, but it helps a lot if they also look good. Um, right. And there's lots of different things that look good and work together um, in combinations. And thinking about how things work together and when you have a, an area where you present things trying to think about what covers work well next to each other, what genres work well next to each other. Okay, so again, what colors work well together and what genres work well together? Colors first. Um, you want, I mean, you want con- contrast. You don't want to put, you know, we all know that there's fashions of book design. You don't want to put the five most similar designs of the year together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, okay. But okay. you want contrast. And you also want contrast in terms of genre. You know, we're very conscious that our customers come from lots of different backgrounds and lots of different, lots of different interests. So you want to make sure that when they, when they come in, there's something for everyone that they can see fairly quickly. So that means alongside having a Nobel Prize winning writer's stuff in one place, we would also want to have something that would attract teenagers or, and something that would attract um, people who love crime novels. And, and So you mix them all up? So they're not mixed up in the same way as... Um, some shops mix things up. Uh, we tend to split them slightly by, by genre, but then within the genres, making sure there's a broad range of interests represented. Okay. And there are special, there are certain areas where we would display a wide range of books from across the shop in one place, so that you would have a political science book next to a YA novel. Um, and that's always quite fun, because you see that people sometimes... <laughs> like <both. laughs> yeah, yeah, or surprised that something's beside it and look at it. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what bookshops are for. Bookshops are for people to come in and find things that they didn't necessarily know they wanted um, alongside picking up, obviously, their favourite writers and things. But, it, but it's, it, it's, we're conscious of the fact we want people to come in here and, and discover things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the great strengths of a bookstore mm. is exactly that. Any other strengths that you want to come up with? In general, about bookshops or about us? Uh, about bookshops and then about you. Okay. I think, in general, I think it, the bookshop market has often felt under threat and it, and, it, and it's always felt it's in crisis. But actually, bookshops are one of the most constant things on high streets all around the world. And they provide not... I mean, I think we, we're called... the but as I said earlier, the cultural department store here, and that having a sense of somewhere where people can come in and, 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 and see lots of different kinds of culture in one place, whether that's limited to books, which, can, which have an, enor- obviously an enormous range of, of genre, etc., or having a few other things in there. And, and by doing things like events and um, having, using the space for, for reasons other than just the pure, hard knows business of selling books but also trying to make it into a place that's interesting and has its own buzz and feels like it's an important cultural institution I think is a important part role of bookshops all over the world and that applies just as much to a four-story shop like ours as it does to the wonderful you know tiny small I was just um, recently down where my father's from in West Wales and the uh, town that he's from where's uh, that? Carmarthen it's called okay. and they have a, a, a tiny independent bookshop in it but it's a it's a it's a hub for yeah. the town yeah. and I think that you know you, that's what you want bookshops to be able to do especially in the 21st century when obviously they're having to rethink 
their their roles a bit. Um, well, I think when things work best here, that's what we do very well. We're we're very conscious of wanting to be a space where people think about can explore culture however they see what culture is and, and leave that as something for them to be open about but by doing things like running events and especially when we're trying to run events in the English bookshop which appeal to both the ever-growing community of Germans who prefer reading English books in the English language. That's something that Jonathan Landgreep mentioned is that uh, upwards of 50% of the books what I think he mentioned Sally Rooney. Her books in English sell here as well as they do in English, as well as they do in German. In, in this shop, her books in English sold significantly better in English than in German. So um, what does that say? Is that saying that Engl English is taking over the world <laughs> rapidly or what? No, because I, I think there's still, there's still a very exciting German language book market. Mm. And if you went, if, I mean, if, I, the will have just changed today, and I've only just come to work. So I've <laughs> <laughs> but it, we have a bestseller list as coming to the shop, and I can guarantee you that, that there will be English titles in it, and at the moment, partly because there's lots of tourists in town, we'll have quite a lot of titles. Yeah. But as soon as there's a big German book comes out, that will go to the top every, every time, mm -hmm. except when there's a Sally Rooney or a Margaret Atwood or someone like that. But I think what it does tell you is that I was recently talking to the rep from a British publisher, um, from Fitzcarraldo, and they were saying that, that Germany is now their biggest non-UK market. Um, and that's that's very interesting to me, because I think it, it's something we see on the ground here. Sorry, because the states, I mean, there's a rights issue there, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. in, in okay. this case, it's a rights issue. But, but I, uh, and, and uh, I think they, I don't think they distribute to the states. So... Right. Um, Right. Um, but still, I, I wouldn't be. I would imagine that you know, ten, fifteen years ago, they would have been looking much more to, well, Ireland first of all, to uh, to France potentially had a bigger expat community in 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 the past. You know, other, there were other markets that were certainly stronger than this was, and now I think the combination of a, of a sizable expat community in Germany, but also this this very very noticeable fact that. Germans attending now, if they can, to read books in English. Um, what explains that? I, it's a good question. I think because I think there's, I don't think Germans speaking good English is new. <laughs> no, I mean they all take it in school exactly, up to yeah. you know when they graduate, right? But I guess it's like anything, isn't it? It's, at some point, it becomes a uh, a fashion, and I think it's also that people have moved more towards thinking it's the right thing to do. Right, um, a bit like the Russians were reading French bear way in the day. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I mean it's it's interesting. Sometimes you do notice that just if you you know spend a couple of hours in the shop wandering around, you notice that people don't buy all their books in English. Even if they sometimes buy, they buy five books, and maybe buy two in a translation to German and two in English or, you know, mixing it up a little bit. It sort of takes all sorts, but I think it is just one of those, one of those developing trends that is definitely visible. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we as, as, as booksellers probably, especially as English booksellers in, or English language booksellers in, in Germany, that we really see very clearly that, uh, that if, an, especially, yeah, anything aimed at younger markets as well. So mm -hmm. Sally Rooney is a great example of this, Margaret Atwood as well the YA stuff that's doing very well at the moment. Um, the teenagers especially, 
like reading in English. And I'm sure that's partly driven by social media and, um, and kind of school fashion kicks in, doesn't it? And at some point, teenagers do what their friends do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, in, the, in those segments, it's definitely very visible. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to do at least one podcast that doesn't include Margaret Atwood's name, <laughs> uh, but I've been unsuccessful. <laughs> she's she's in Berlin next month, so it's oh, is she? <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Okay, well, I'm going to miss her, or maybe I won't. So I was getting back to the blown away part. I'm still not quite sure how you do it. Coming into the the store and scanning it it's like scanning a work of art uh, I really it's it's yeah, maybe clipped or you know because you've got all those colors yeah. you know uh, or but that's how it seemed to me and so you're saying yes you put the contrasting covers together there must be something else though isn't there is there something else I think it's I think it's a I mean, I often think the booksellers were like bakers. You're, you're trying to sell your wares, but at the same time, you want your wares to always look as attractive as possible. So you're always having to think, how do you rearrange the display to make it look good and make sure... Yeah. You, and, and the big parts of that are... Like a painter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but a big part of that is... Some of that stuff is, is, is about having keeping your eye open and making... You know, I think one of the things that all booksellers learn is to be aware of when things are in the wrong place. This colour isn't quite striking me. Yeah. And yes. you often, among colleagues, you'd often have someone sidle up to you and say, do you think that one is quite right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So what, when they hire you, you need to have some, obviously some kind of sense of colour. And is that one of the things that you look for? Well, I think it's more that you, you need to be, you need to have a good sense of awareness of, Aesthetic awareness, I'd say. Okay. Um, okay. And, and but you're still not giving away any secrets, <laughs> which is what I'm thinking. Well, for. I think I'm a big fan of the idea that that, that book selling is a was a lot of it that is an art, but but, but it's also it's also it, it's grubby commerce at the same time. Of course, <laughs> yes. It's using art. It's exactly. abusing yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. In the and I think that you know we are we we sort of think a lot about how to use the space and we have other advantages like when you come into our shop the lighting in the shop is darker so you, that's why these spotlights work so well is that you have this contrast to being outside where on a day like today which is extremely bright and hot yeah you come in and you're into this darker more shady cool space, cooler, cooler yes. space yeah which i think um gets into that vibe i was talking about how it's meant to feel like an independent shop or a small shop within a within a larger one um, and that's why that works very well because you're you're it's an almost sort of deliberate what well, it is a deliberate juxtaposition to the wider shop outside and to the street outside you come in and it's much more cozy and enclosed and focused um, and then the lights pick out certain areas to draw your eyes towards them and then the important thing obviously that we do and that where we are engaging as much of our aesthetic sense as possible is to make sure that the things that are having focus drawn to them are earning that focus um yes and and making sure that you're not wasting space or well the other thing too is you've got the same book spread throughout the store yeah uh, i i don't know i mean i haven't seen that that often 
Yeah, I mean, it's, and there's, there's, there's different philosophies in that. I think our philosophy is that if you do that, you know, pe people, not everyone who comes into a bookstore has been into a bookstore before. And it's important that bookstores don't uh, try and scare away or, or don't scare away customers because they don't understand the system or whatever. Yes, so yes. So what, what we're trying to do with that is to make sure that people can find books that they might have come in to look for in a, a range of spots um, and then get more used to the environment of the shop as well. When one has worked in books for a while and is familiar with the book world, you sort of assume that everyone knows that a, that a fiction section would start with A and go down to Z, but that's only because we all know that and we've all, we're, all, we're all used to that. And we definitely, you definitely don't want to be scaring off people who, who have never seen a shop like, uh, who never used a shop in this sort of way and aren't aware of how those systems work and might just want to come in and find the book that their friend recommended them for their holiday and it's important they can find it. <laughs> Yeah, for example, I uh, in your I think it was writing and I can't remember what it was exactly. Literature, language, writing. That's what yeah. it is. I saw uh, you know three or four books by Rebecca Stolnet. Then I walked around the corner and there was she was somewhere else in, an, in another uh, section. Different books, but yeah. on, she's in that, what I thought was. Jeez, I didn't realize she wrote so many damn books. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes one or two of her books will be near, and deliberately will be near the pace because right. she's one of those genre-bending writers. Yes, right? so yes. If you, um, if you have them all in, if you put them all in, so a couple of them in travel. If you yeah. put them all in travel, then people start saying, "Well, hold, hold on, shouldn't they be with literature language?" <laughs> if you do the other way around, then you get the same. So yeah, yeah. It's important that you try and head off those questions before people think you don't have things or think that you don't, you know, you're deliberately leaving a, a, a writer out of your out of your stock. But if I'm her, I'm liking this because, as I said, I saw her here, and then oh, wait a minute, there she is again. <laughs> uh, if I'm her, I'm thinking this is exactly what I want from a bookstore. Definitely, but and, and also if you think, I mean, you know, there's, there's other reasons to do that. I mean, if you think, for example, we have lots of great writers nowadays live in Berlin. Right. So we have a, a space where you can find people who live in Berlin, but then they would, if their books belong somewhere else, they'd also be in the place that they belong. So those sorts of things where you can you can give people a different focus are really important as well and, and kind of make sure people are aware of... Because actually it's one of the things that's always frustrating about about the categorization that we have in, in the book world. Like, obviously, you can, crime novels tend to be able to put into the crime novel section yeah, quite easily. easily. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so many books that you sort of think, oh, well, it is kind of uh, a travel book, but yeah. is that not very reductive? Well, what you're going to do is put it where it sells the best. That's true, yeah. I and mean, then obviously, that, we would be lying if we would say that wasn't a consideration. But it's also about, about trying to reflect the fact you have that some books don't, fit snugly into a, yeah. into a category yeah. Yeah. and you know for example there's a book we've done really well with in the last eight nine months which is by um, an Albanian political scientist at the LSE in London called Leir Ipi the book is called Three you could put it anywhere you could put it with history books you could put it with travel at a push you could certainly put it with books on politics and we've got it with biographies because it seems to fit most snugly there but I totally would accept anyone coming to me and saying shouldn't this be a politics? And in a sense, you just have to make those decisions. Okay, so what's the uh, elevator pitch on that book? Well, it's a fabulous memoir of 
a woman growing up in, in a moment of enormous political upheaval between the communist era and moving to, and moving to the sort of anarchical 90s in, in, in Albania, but written in a way where she is questioning not only her own childhood, but also the political systems that she encountered at the time, uh, and building those two things together in a really, really, really intelligent, but also superbly written narrative. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> it's kind of weird though isn't it like an albanian political so what did she teach again political uh, science yeah political science yeah. yeah yeah like who the hell would think that would be a bestseller but it's funny you know and these are the things it's the same with you know not that many well quite a few years now it was um you know robert mcfarlane writing books about going to wild parts of the uk or yeah before that edmund deval writing books about his family's japanese pottery collection and every couple of years one of these books emerges i mean all i suppose when they emerge from left field all three of us are published by Penguin. Anyway, no, no, no. yeah. <laughs> Edmund Deval's not, it's published by Chatham Windows. There are people looking to find those kooky, unusual bestsellers all the time. Yeah. Um, and, they, and it is always interesting to me where they come from, because um, there's a lot that fall by the wayside. But every now and again, you, they hit something. Um, and I'm sure that if you asked the publicity people at Penguin, they'd say that they put a huge amount of work into conducting the right campaigns for them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think people sometimes just find ideas that they think are romantic and interesting. And and I think that's something about this Albanian book is that people don't know anything about Albania. So, yeah. um, so it's, a, it's a good way into learning about a new place through a genre of biography or autobiography, which people, no more, yeah. memoir, which people tend to find a kind of accessible way into wider history and wider stories. And, and I guess... It's all, there's always a sort of hook for people, isn't there? And then once the hook starts working, it can drag quite a lot of, of fish with it, I suppose. So would you say that the best booksellers have the most elevator pitches for the most books? <laughs> That's a good question. I think the best booksellers know how to... can tell quite quickly how to talk to the customer they have in front of them and what the customer wants and they quickly the best book says read a lot and that's that's something that's true across all of all of best the writers do too. yeah exactly and i think in, in general <laughs> booksellers um like lots of other people in, in 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 the world are best when they read widely and broadly because it is very helpful if you can have an elevator pitch for a book from almost every section of a shop that you know well enough because you've read it and there's no substitute for that i mean you can well, you can read the first 50 pages at least. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But we will have our weak spots, we will have our genres we don't like so much. And we and and you can always, the, the line of my colleague who loves, I won't reveal my weaknesses, <laughs> no, no, science fiction, I don't reveal my science uh, fiction. I hate science fiction. <laughs> yeah. but, it's a, but I have colleagues who love it. And, um, That's and, not a good thing necessarily, though, because <laughs> I guess there is some decent stuff in there. Oh, no, absolutely. And you, that's another thing I think you can learn quite quickly and this job is that you you have to keep an open mind about books that yeah. sometimes things get put in a section and then you start falling into the trap from the other side that we, I was just talking about with a trap being that you say well I don't like x y or z mm-hmm. um, and actually you just haven't haven't tried it, it. yeah, yep, yeah. <laughs> it's guilty um, but it but it's certainly true that we are all more drawn to certain books about taste and that's that's fine and and good and sometimes I think you can have people in the book world who are very snobbish about other genres in a way that's actively unhelpful because I think because you don't 
I'm not drawn to something to not mean that it's not bad. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, just, I, mean, I don't, I still haven't gotten enough information out of this, the way it looks, the way the place looks, because it just had such an impact on me. But the other thing, the, the two things that were really striking, and the second was, man, you've got so many books in there that I want to read. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's just because someone in there has got the same taste that I do, or if everyone feels that way. I, I don't know, because, boy, was it's rare that I'll go into a bookstore and see that many books I really want to mm. read. So how do you do that? Well, I think that probably comes from the buying end of things, where we a very small number of people... How did you guess that I liked all those books? <laughs> well, I think the thing that we try and do is have the people who, who like certain sections buy those sections. So that, um, yeah, but they were spread out all over. But that, what I mean is that the person who's buying in each section is an expert, is an expert, an expert in, in that, that section, section, yes. And they, and they, they are all... Uh, incredibly on the pulse about what's out there and what's new and exciting. And again, for what we're doing, this maybe doesn't answer your question entirely, but for what we're doing in terms of Germany is that it's really important that there are shops in Germany which are very on, on the pulse because traditionally English language bookshops in in European capitals have tended to be, and this isn't their fault, it's because they're not, they're, they've tended to not have the reps coming to them, tend to not kind of be as involved in the catalogue kind of, chasing world they tend to they often do lots of second hand stuff anyway and we're all new books so we it's very important to us to make sure we're really on the pulse and, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and that if you know we have a customer who's come in and has just read uh in the copy of a tls that gets delivered to help our whole every week yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a new book out it's really important that we have that book um so you know yeah. that, 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 that's that, obvious right yeah yeah, yeah. And the buyers have to, that means the buyers have to be on the pulse. And it's, yeah. and it's no good having... What them. else do they have to read to be on the pulse? Like the catalogues, I guess. Catalogues is a big thing. And, right. we, and also, we are, we are visited by reps here. So, we, right. um, so in terms of how the industry works, I mean, that makes a huge difference if you have someone coming yeah. a few times a year with a... And they do their elevator pitch. Exactly, yeah. Which <laughs> well, is, that's where you get them all which from. Which once upon a time used to be done in a huge <laughs> ring binder file, and now, and now we're done on, on screen. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, it's making sure those things that do come more from left field that we're looking at where people are looking. For yes, yes. So, yeah, I got a story about my grandfather. He used to as a, as a retirement project. He was the doctor on the island of Sark in the Channel Islands. I've been to Sark. Have you? <laughs> yeah. I lived there for a year when I was a kid. Anyway, what he used to do was to read the the Reader's Digest. Because there was always some something about some kind of illness mm. in there, typically, and right after the latest uh, edition of the Reader's Digest showed up in the mailboxes, he'd get a flood of people coming in saying, "I got that yeah. disease." Yeah, yeah. So he read. He was made, He made sure he read up on that yeah. before <laughs> before the flood came in. When I used to work in the bookshop in London, yeah, there are certain publications that I think. People always say book reviews don't make any difference, but there right. are certain certain magazines and publications that do make a difference. Okay. Sunday like, Times in the UK is famous for it. If you think something's in the Sunday Times, if you're working in a shop on a Sunday in London, there'll be someone coming in that day with their little cutout or, you know, um, or the classic, the kind of booksellers, classic complaint to the person who comes in and says, 
there's a book in the Sunday Times yeah. this week. It's about Albania, <laughs> and it's um, and it's got a yellow cover, and it turns out to be about Bosnia and Herzegovina, and it's got a green cover. <laughs> <laughs> and you have but to, you know, you have to do your yeah. you kind of, exactly. You, you have to know. You have to know what where people are looking. <laughs> um, and you know, have to know your colors too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's funny you say that about your about your grandfather because yeah. um, when I used to work in that shop in London, my old old boss said to always have this phrase that booksellers were like GPs that, um, <laughs> to sort of deal with people's woes and complaints and, and to find and to find their tonics and, medi- yeah. and medications. Help them with the diagnosis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, okay, so so you still haven't answered my question. <laughs> I, as I said, that these are the things that really struck me, and more so than. And more so than pretty well any bookstore in the world, any English bookstore that I've been into, and I've been into a few in the world, this one here did it. It's lovely to hear, and something that I'm struggling. I mean, like I, I, my interest is off. You know, it's kind of books about books. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but there were just a whole bunch of. Uh, maybe that's what's happening is that the 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 offering in that the field that I'm interested in t- is growing, but. I don't know. I mean, there happens to be a lot of very good books about books at the moment. Yes, Um, yes, that's what I mean. And I think, again, it's something that we're conscious of a marketing. So, you know, Jeff Dyer's just put out a new book and we've done very nicely with that. And I think think people are probably, again, sort of this oft-repeated idea of the death of the book is, is being counteracted by so many books about, about books, books coming yes. out and people being more yeah. aware of the objects right and, or maybe yeah maybe everyone's concerned that the uh, death might be on the horizon but it's yeah but, yeah. but I, I think I mean I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that for the time being books are are safe I mean um, yeah and, it, and it, you know it's um, I think that, that thing that people are so keen to publish better looking books and uh, you know I think that is one of the real changes from when I first came to start working as a book editor today mm-hmm. is that people care a lot more about design and they care a lot more about finding ways to bring readers in um which so you, you know 10 15 years ago you would not have had four or five different editions of the same book being published at once um, well this is the one of the rebecca solnit books you, you've got the t- uh, yeah. there's two of them different completely different co- uh, covers. Exactly. And that's one of the things... And you've got them side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> because you know, some people will go for one and some people will yeah, go for exactly, the other. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I, you know, some, sometimes that stuff is infuriating because the bookseller because you think, we've only got so much space. <laughs> right. <laughs> but well, you have to... Then, then what happens is that the person who's shopping gets the lovely surprise when they pull the pull the first one off. It, you know, if you exactly, go... Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. No, true, true. And I think, but then if you look at some... If you look at someone like... Um, Ishiguri, I mean, he's he, yes. they, they now do a sort of new edition of, of his books every couple of years, it seems, mm. um, where design is absolutely front and center. In well, they've minds. got the cutout uh, square, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. then there's blessing. Is that blessing? I saw that you've got it, might be the German publisher. What is that? The, the, it's in German, I, and I thought, is that a publishing house? Is it? It was here, I think, in the, in the German section. It's not one that I know immediately. I'd have to go. Yeah, to I, I might be out to lunch here. But but, but anyway, um, 
What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, about uh, the sorts of designs of books and how they how they draw different kinds of people in. Right, um, right, and that's right. They're tr- they're basically the content remains the same, but their 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 thinking is we will invest some more money in producing another version of this because it'll pay off, obviously. And, and the best example for it right now, because it's a genre that's doing really well, mm. is romance novels, which a few years ago were all published in kind of cheesy sub, submills and boon yeah. um, sort of kind of covers. Mm. And they've now all been redesigned to look kind of like sub-Sally Rooney covers. And <laughs> they're trying to move up. Yeah, exactly. The, I swear, the if, you food two, chain. if you put the two books together, <laughs> half the people who buy one would never buy any right. other design. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's, you know, it's, what is it? There's some advertising that is bullshitting you, basically. Good publishers, they're dues. They're, they're good, they know what they're doing. <laughs> Right, right. But again, it's like if you buy it because you think it's going to be similar, you bring it, well, I guess you can always bring it back to the bookstore, but say, you know, this, this design was false advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think uh, books have often done that. I mean, there was a big, big, big trend a few years ago for books to have kind of abstract art on the cover and mm-hmm. you know, kind of the geometric shapes. Yeah. And there were, lots of them were completely different to each other, but they were clearly, they'd clearly worked out that that was a, a rich kind of marketable um, uh, design, yeah. And um, and the, after uh, the Hell of the Amber Eyes, lots of books had kind of objects on all the Neil McGregor book on history of the world and hundred objects. Mm-hmm. Those two books made people put objects on the fronts of books in a way that I think hadn't been done much before. You know, publishers. I don't think it's even unfair to say publishers or or actually um, ever since uh, Harari did so well with with Sapiens. Um, there's been lots of books produced in a white format with red writing on them. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's sort of very transparent in some ways. Was that uh, Jonathan Lytle book, the kindly ones? That was kind of a pale white with just one ink colour, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. It's actually yeah. quite a similar, similar design to, yeah. uh, to, to Sackins in some, in some way. But it or came, it had, it had it came ten book. years earlier or more. True. And it had a black and white picture on it, didn't it? As far as I remember. I'm again. I the reason I bring it up is I just spoke about it yesterday. So and I'm, my memory may be, but I think you're reinforcing that it was. It, I think the English jacket was a bit like the Gallimar typical mm-hmm. Gallimar yeah. look. Does that ring, ring a bell? I think that's right. I just, yeah. I, just, I just have a vague memory of a of a black and white figure on it. That's contradicting well, it's, it's moving, each other. It's moving away from getting high, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it was a simple, it was a white book, definitely. Yes. Um, and then I thought it had a very simple black and white picture. Oh, did it? it? Okay. Well, anyway, it, yeah, so, yeah. it sounds like we're, yeah, okay. Um, so what about the sales then? I guess Germans are buying a lot of German books by German authors. Mm-hmm. This is kind of focusing the, the the conversation down to Canada, which is not always a good idea. <laughs> but uh, but Canadians, it seems anyway, based on some stats that may or may not be true, are not reading as many Canadian authors as say ten years ago, mm. and quite alarmingly so. 
what is it that gets German readers to read German authors? Is it this sense that we have to support our own, our own? Or it's that just it's more interesting to have a German perspective on the world, or, or what? Well, I guess, I guess to, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, about how many Germans read in English now, this is just a guess, but I, my assumption would be that Germans have an advantage over most Anglophone, Anglophone countries, which yeah. is that... Yes, can, it's obviously, there's you can, no competition. You can, yeah, exactly, yeah. and, and yeah. you can kind of... You know, you can spread the love. <laughs> you know, you can read. You can, read, and, and there's no doubt that more Germans are reading more British, Irish, and American writers than would have been the case, maybe. But is that is that at the expense of their own authors or not? No, I don't think it probably is. I mean, or, yeah. or at the very least, I think that maybe the way in what what would be interesting to know is in the particular market segments that you see the strongest sales of English language writers, where that's kind of the younger segments, as I said earlier, yeah. if they are moving away from reading in German. And, and, there, and there, I, there's probably interesting research been done about that, but I, 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 I suspect it's too early to know. Really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly some of those genres, like, I, I, there isn't, I mean, here, yeah, to go back to kind of obvious people, but there isn't a German equivalent of Sally Rooney that I can think of. I can't think of a kind of young novelist who's done incredibly well um, in the last five or ten years. Yeah. Um, there are obviously people who've done pretty well and have established themselves and um, but somebody said that kind of total explosion of sales, I can't think of someone off the top of my head immediately. But mm-hmm. um, there are there are people there's a guy called Benedict Vez who's who's translated into English, um so Benedict Wells, um, who's been extraordinarily successful. Maybe he's the kind of closest to that segment. What's his name again? Benedict Wells. Uh, he's he he yeah he actually probably does sell in a not quite comparable but similar way to to Rooney. But I think I guess the truth is that you know even if you have more people reading in a second language that they're very very fluent in, there is a comfort and an advantage to reading in your native language anyway. And mm-hmm. I find that with myself from reading English and German, but I, I can sometimes go through phases where I read four German books in a row, and then I'll just be craving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Reading an English novel. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what about the uh, then the the most popular German? You mentioned one, but the the most popular German writers in English, like have been translated into English. Yeah. Who are the best, do you think? Well, the person I always recommend, and she's, she's older, she's Weimar era, it's called, she's called Imgard Coyne, and she's wonderful. She's a, How do you uh, spell that? I, the first name is I-R-M-G-A-R-D, okay. and the surname is K-E-U-N. And she's a kind of chronicler of Berlin at this moment of upheaval at the end of the 20s, going to the 30s. Cool. And she's really got that kind of dialect and the... And the of Berlin alongside the energy of the city at that time really comes across in her novel. She's wonderful. Mm. Um, and that's available in English. Available in English, published yeah. by Penguin. Um, right. Traditionally, what's done best in translation, I think, is uh, writers who have some connection to one of the two German dictatorships in the 20th century. That tends to be what pulls in English language publishers. But that is beginning to change, um, and you're beginning to move now to 
um, there's a, 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 a small publisher just started in Berlin called V&Q Books. Who are, V&Q? Uh, Q Books, yeah. Who are kind of daughter company of a German publisher and they're run by the translator Katie Derbyshire. We're having her to do an event here in September. And they, she is trying to publish the kind of German novels that often haven't been published up to this point. Um, in English. In English. Yeah. And she sees her market for that as, to some extent, the fact that you have around 20,000 British expats in Berlin alone, which is more than enough to sell a print run, obviously. Um, yeah, but not all of them. <laughs> of course, of course. But, 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 One would hope uh, maybe... <laughs> what? If you get... If you, if you get 10, 10 or 15, percent of that, yeah. then, then, you're, then, you're, then you're laughing. The, um, well, yeah, you've broken even. Exactly, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But until, but until recently, you, you have had this focus on interesting lots of German writers who have been enormous names in Germany have never quite made the jump out of Germany because I think they haven't written on subjects that have been of interest to the English. You mean there are subjects that Germans are interested in that English people aren't interested <laughs> in? Or, or I think just, you know, Germans aren't quite as obsessed with the war as, um, as the English That's language. That's a good point. <laughs> but and, and yet it does frequently come up in conversation when I'm here. For sure. And, and of course, there are wonderful German writers who have written about it and have made... And, and, and actually, there are, and I was just trying to think of some of the more successful people as I was talking. One of the very successful recent writers is a guy called um, Robert Zetaler, um, who has written, had three books translated into English now. Okay. Um, and the first of them was this history of a, a life story of a, a, a man in a, in a small village in the Austrian Alps across, told across the 20th century and, and it was a kind of good uh, way for people who were obsessed with this idea of German writing being all about the dictatorships to sort of come at it from another angle because it was, it was much more about the changing of landscape and the changing of values and things within one place than about the, the external influence of war and politics, although that plays a role in the book, which is why it kind of was able to hook people in so well. There's things that, that maybe in the English language market have never done that well, books more which are more theoretical and things. Yes, so yes. Like French writers, you know, there's a, a whole large, a large number of kind of very postmodern French novelists <laughs> who have never been translated into English. Yeah. Probably never will be because right. it's very hard to do it well, for one thing. And if you do do it well, it's then... Um, well, that's because lots of it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So how the hell do you translate yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, you know, if your context isn't defined by 68 in Paris, mm-hmm. um, it's impossible to get people to be interested in that, even though for, for lots of French readers, that would be one of the most important kind of industry-changing events would have been in 68. And it's the same here. They're, they're, you know, the um, left-wing movements of the 70s were enormously influential in West Germany, especially, and uh, yet yeah, got relatively little press. You know, people kind of heard of, of Bader Meinhof outside of Germany, but that's about as far as it goes normally. Yeah, yeah. So books that kind of relate to that or came out of those movements, I think, have found it harder to to get translated. And it's just also, you know, there's the simple fact, isn't there, that not that much stuff gets translated into English. Um, well, I guess it has to it has to make financial sense. Yeah. And, and maybe it doesn't. Yeah, you, you're dependent on either very good sales or grants, etc., to do yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's a different, difficult market. Right. Okay, so have, have I plumbed the depths of your knowledge about 
the visual aspect of the bookstore? Have you, have you got anything to add to that? <laughs> um, I don't think I do. But <laughs> okay, okay. No, that's fair. And what about the content again? But the fact that I was so attracted to so many books. And not because, I mean, I was attracted by the, the way they looked, of mm. course, but I was also, I really wanted to read a surprising number. But I think that comes, that's where we're doing something right, and it's, that's why it's good to hear. Yes, <laughs> yes. But it means we're hitting those sweet spots, and we're hitting the sweet spots of, because, you know, that's again what... The zeit, like you fit, it's not necessarily a zeitgeist, it's just, I really, I'm fascinated by them. No, 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 but, 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 but I don't mean a zeitgeist. What I mean, what I mean is that for us and what we're doing, we're, we're making sure that we've got an, a good and interesting range of things. Because, what, you know, what, what, what's great to hear is, is that you come around and, and do that. I mean, someone who's interested in books about, you know, business theory comes on and, and does says that. Says the same thing. Says the same thing. Right. Um, That's what I'm trying to get yeah, at. And I, and is this hold for everyone? or? I think I think we're, what we try and do is be be pretty broad. But but so good at picking in each category. Yeah. And then and I'm trying to get at well, that's because, that's how come you're so good. Because that's because you don't have the same person buying for every category. So some, so some okay. shops would have... They, essentialized one buyer buying for right. a huge number of things. You, you know what this reflects? It reflects what good, what how the New York Times uh, book review works. Yeah, they have a, twelve or whatever the number is preview uh, preview uh, editors, mm. and each one of them has an expertise. Yeah, and they make the choices. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 you know. Every now and again, we would sit down and say, there's a title coming up that we should be, everyone should be aware of or something. But basically, it's left to individuals to make the choices of what they buy mm. and then how they display what they buy. And um, then, of course, there's a combination of, well, what's really, really good and what's going to sell. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, that's going to be the other thing that, that where reading a lot helps. You have to, yes. you, you, you know, what you want as a bookseller is you want to have your Sally Rooney there, but you also want to have it next to or be thinking about what people who like Sally Rooney might mm -hmm. like. And that shouldn't, you know, you're trying to be... It has to be good, obviously. You don't want to you don't want to disappoint your book uh, buyer by saying, geez, they put this right next to it, so I thought, yeah, it's got to be as good or that's what they yeah. think, and it stinks. Exactly. And you don't, you know, what you're trying to do is to be different to an algorithm. Because the algorithm would, you know, yeah. once she sits at their computer, they, they put in young Irish writer or, they, or you know, um, modern relationships or something. Yeah. And those are, those are obviously interesting hooks, but sometimes that's not why someone actually might have enjoyed that book. They might have enjoyed that book because it's funny or because it, you know... Um, something the algorithm couldn't pick up. The algorithm can't pick up. And, and, and then sometimes it's the fact that you can stand there and be the quality control post or the kind of, you know, at least talk about why you liked one book and what and another book appealed to you mm. um, can help people make a more informed decision. And when it comes to laying books out, the same logic applies. That, mm. you know, not everyone wants to come up to us and ask for recommendations. So when you're laying things out, you're wanting to say books about books. We'll have a few of them next to each other and then we'll make sure that those, or we'll try and make sure that those are going into sort of interestingly different directions. Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, okay, I'm, I'm interested in books and how they're, you know, how they're produced, made, and written, and you know, reviewed, whatever. 
but I'm also interested in learning. Mm. So it's a book about what goes on in your brain when mm. you're learning. I think that's what happened. Yeah, uh, yeah I yeah. saw that and I thought, yeah, that was that. That's why I read books yeah. so I can learn. Well, for example, we we, we put a a book about bilingualism in that section as well, um, right. and how bilingualism uh, has a neurological effect. And mm. and in other shops here, that book would definitely be a psychology. But we sort of took the view that because people who are interested in books and languages, especially in a city like Berlin, which is very multilingual, right. are more likely to look for that book or to find that book in a in a section about words than about concepts, <laughs> right. if, that, if that makes sense. It just <laughs> makes perfect sense because I want to buy that book yeah. too, or not necessarily, like, because I'm, I know that being bilingual is, or attempting to be bilingual is really good for your brain. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And 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 I, it'll help me learn. Yeah, yeah. and and the people who think that are probably all book buyers. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay, so so we're we we worked out the color. Do you do your book buyers buy based on on design? <laughs> I think they would claim never. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, you sure. want to make sure you've got you know a good. Great selection of designs yeah. to make your bookstore so colorful. Well, and there we are lucky the publishers are basically good at it now. Right, uh, right. And, and I guess, but you know, it's true that if you're looking at a catalogue, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to single out publishers who are bad at it, but there are no. some publishers whose books you look at and you think they could have done a better, they could job. Have done a better job. And what's, what's a good job then? Uh, I think a good job is just a, when you're looking, you know, when we get sent catalogues, we get. Or, or if we look at things up on the on the computer for the first time, we see a, you know, whatever it would be, an A10 image of, of the cover. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that and you think, oh, that looks cool, then, they, then, then they've done their job pretty well. Right. The ones where you look at it and you think, um, oh, God, is that meant to be a novel? It looks like it's a treatise. <laughs> <That's laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll buy it despite that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But again, you know, one of the things that the buyers do that is important is that they exercise... You know, bookshops are curated spaces, and the curation hat takes up different forms. Right. But we don't have space for every single book that comes out. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a questions about what you do and don't buy. What percentage of books that come out you're able to put in, in oh, the store? Tiny, tiny like one percent, or would be my guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, of, of the total, I mean, I think there's always that stat in September. There's a, every year September. There's a Super Thursday, which is the day when most books get published in the year and the Christmas run, run up. Right. One year they were, they were listed in, in the paper or on, online somewhere. And it was, off the top of my head, I think it was like a thousand books were published that day. Um, yeah. Of which I, as a bookseller, was aware of maybe 150, and we probably had 50% of those or something like that. So, right. um, Maybe that maybe slightly more Bernie, that's a sort of ratio I, I expect. Because obviously the majority of books that get published still are academic books or kind of quite niche interest books. Um mm -hmm. whose market just works differently. We're trying to you know, we're 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 there for people who want to who are sort of more broad interest things and in that trying to cover as many different distinct areas. Um but we're, we, for example, it would just never be worth us holding lots and lots and lots of undoubtedly very interesting kind of academic 
hardcore academic books um, partly just because the way the market works are very expensive um, mm -hmm. and partly just because it's not really our our target market um, you know where we most people will get those books through us if they want to order them but they're coming in a more directed way the way we set up a shop is about people who are coming into browse yeah browsing is arousing browsing is arousing exactly yeah <laughs> where'd you go to school uh, I did my undergrad at uh, Oxford um, and then I did some postgrad here in Berlin and I did my high school in London Have we covered the uh, terrain here? Anything uh, else you want to say? Maybe we could say one thing about doing some events here. Because that's your uh, area of... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Let's get it in. <laughs> Crowbar out. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what do you want to talk about then? Well, I mean, um, I guess... One of the things we were talking about earlier about how you, we try and turn these these spaces into, into lively, lively cultural, cultural hub yeah. ideas yeah. is doing events, and that's something that that I think we are becoming more conscious of here. And um, we have a huge I've touched on this earlier again, but we have a massive, massive, massive advantage in Berlin, which is the ever growing number of English writers, English language writers who live here. Like, um, like who? Who's some big ones? Uh, Lauren Euler has been very successful recently. She, she lives here. Megan Nolan lived here for a while. Um, Amy Liptrot, uh, Paul Scraton, who was downstairs earlier. Um, uh, Musa Kwanga, um, Ben Ferguson. There's, there's lots of these people who are... Um, I didn't put you on the spot there, did I? <laughs> you responded very well. <laughs> but I guess the thing is, you would know these people because you want to get them in the store. I want to get them in the store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but we, but you know, we, I think we are very conscious of having that here and right. wanting to take advantage of it, and at the same time having this, um, yeah, this, these two, these different elements of English language readers or different groups of English language readers in the city. Yeah. Um, who often don't have a space to come to to come together, and by doing some events, you can kind of force that issue, I suppose. <laughs> um, can you run that by me again? Well, you know, we, we have expats, yeah. big group expats. We have Germans who read English books, right? And you know, if we can provide a more obvious space. Yeah, because the the ex sorry the expats and the they would kind of tend to do their own thing. Yeah, right? exactly. So you're that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and as you know, Berlin has a has actually more than one big literary festival every year, but this, well, the biggest one is in September each year. It's the ILB. What's what's that entail? Uh, it's it, it's a wonderful festival. I mean, it gets huge names um, from around the world. Um, so when, when is that scheduled this year? Uh, it's September the top of my head, September the seventh to the seventeenth. That's think. very cool. Um, I'm going to be here, so cool. yeah, yeah. I so, might come here for that. So, so she who must not be named, it will be at it, I think. and um, she will be at it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure McEwen is at it. But every year, the quality of people they get is is astounding. You obviously benefit somehow from. Well, that. we sell the books. You oh, you've got the contract with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, Do you hold events that are connected to that? Festival? No, we don't. No. One of the reasons for that is that. It's traditionally been the case that when English language writers come to do events in Berlin, right. they do them with translation, etc., so that they are appealing to as wide a market as possible. And one of the things that we're saying is, 
we want to do things in English. English. Yeah. Um, well, the, the English authors can only do it in English. Exactly. And, and, and having someone sitting there translating for them doubles the length of an event. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're trying to sort of make trying to have a slightly more informal series of events so that people aren't having to... Yeah, uh, it's a bit tiresome, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And we're doing it in collaboration with a with a magazine here, so it's kind of another way of, of called Expo Liner, where we're kind of bringing together their readers and our space as well, which is also fun too. I thought you weren't doing the event. No, not for that, not for that, but for our own events. I mean, when, when we do our own events, we will do them in English. I see. In collaboration with the Expo Liner magazine, so that we're kind of providing an English language distinct space using the large English language magazine in the city. Understood. And and X is expat, expert, yeah. I think the funny thing about that story, about their name, yeah. and I think they're called the Ex-Berliner because they wanted to be called the Berliner at Ala, the New Yorker, yeah, etc. Yeah. And then it was copyrighted. And on the day... Wait a sec. Oh, it was already copyrighted. Yeah. yeah. And on the day that they were publishing, they got told they had to... Come up with they, some, some and they already printed them all. I think so. So they, so they had to just Son add something, and and they thought it would just be funny to be the magazine, the magazine formerly known X. as the Berliner. Oh, isn't that clever? <laughs> that's very good. So it works both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Okay, good. When and when was that published? Started kick off. Oh, uh, they've just had their tenth anniversary. Okay. okay. I think. Yeah. Okay, but you didn't really talk that much about events. Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, I think, I mean, just to... Just that you you headed up yeah. and uh, come to Dusman's yeah. for some events. The first one's on the 21st, the next one's on the 21st of September, if people are in Berlin who are listening to this. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be... If, maybe, yeah, you never know, one or, one or two, you never yeah, exactly. know. Everything helps. They might buy a book. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, and who's that going to be? That's two translators. Uh, so it's Katie Derbyshire who runs that, that publisher, The Inky Books. Yeah. And a translator called Lucy Jones who's translated some really cool people. And, and they're going to just riff, because that, that is such a topic everyone talks about, trans yeah. translation and and how the translators are wanting to get their names on the covers and they should get a piece of the action. And, exactly. Uh, because it's true. It is. It, it's a completely different book. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's obviously, it's based on... It, anyway, it's a fascinating yeah. topic. So that's all, that's the stuff we want to talk to them about. We're gonna so I'm, I'll I'll have my interview hat on that. Oh, will really? <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But we'll be talking about exactly those questions and also about the thing that we briefly touched on about. So you, sorry, you you. This is the, these events. Basically, you host them and and you're the interview. Yeah. So either me or the books editor of of the Expelina hosts them. That's um, good to know. Yeah, no wonder you're so good at like, talking here. <laughs> um, the, the other question we'll be asking is about. Um, <laughs> Don't ask me any questions. <laughs> Sorry, the other what? A question we'll be talking about is that thing of what kind of books are getting translated into English and what markets are working and what isn't working. Because okay. I think, especially for the expat community living here, it's quite an interesting question about what gets a lot of English language expats in Germany don't speak German or right. speak very good German. Right. So translated literature is often their only kind of way into the culture that they live in. And so it's quite interesting to see if they're able to if they, how broad a spectrum they're getting exposed to. Or right. if it still is this quite narrow set of topics to yeah. end well, up in English. So it's again it's a question of what sells versus what's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and as you said earlier, you know this this enormously problematic thing of transition, which is it's expensive, and you've um, there's a lot of government funding in there. There's though. a lot of government funding out there, but you've got to, you know, that's still that's a, another hurdle that someone's got to jump over to to get their their book over the line. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's much harder to take a risk on something. You know, a publisher might say, "Well, we only publishes the whole industry works on the idea that." you do a print run of a new book of a relatively manageable number of copies. If it sells out, you've covered your costs and you're kind of laughing. If it sells out quickly enough, you'll do another one and see how it goes. And uh, with a translation, you've obviously got to factor in a whole other level of cost. Um, so it's harder. And time. And, and time, Yeah, exactly. for sure. And it's yeah. harder to know what the trends will be and whether where there are trends and what you're kind of jumping on. So those are the things we'll be talking to them about and then the event after that will be totally different and will be all about a uh, book that's just come out on East Berlin's uh, best football team and they're, they're kind of it's a very well written account of their year of greatest success but then set against their history of being um, in the East during the Cold War and, and their longer term history but told through interviews and anecdotes with various people from the, the, the community of the, of the club. Um, so that's kind of where, where we're going to be going in the autumn. Very good. Okay, if I'm uh, Dussman, I'd be very nervous because uh, there's going to be some publishers listening to this, publishers and other booksellers. And they might want to scoop you up. <laughs> so maybe you, know, you should start negotiating. <laughs> or maybe wait, you know. But, but anyway, thank you so much. It's been thank a you real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure, yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, John Owen is the, maybe you could do the extra. The head of events and uh, a bookseller at Dussmann Desculto Clubhouse in Berlin. Very good. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Okay.